0: Hey, good morning, Church. My name is Mike Rosado, lead pastor here at Fervent, and I am excited that this is the 4th of July weekend, where it's an online-only Sunday, so you just enjoyed some time in worship. Hopefully, you're together with your friends and family. Hopefully, maybe you're together with some of your collective people, right? What are collectives? Collectives are groups of people that gather together on a consistent basis here at Fervent Church, and this is where you get your chemistry, your care, and your challenge to continue growing. So hopefully you're just with people and enjoying this weekend. Maybe it's raining and the weather's glum, but hey, you know what? You could have still a joyful time together on this 4th of July weekend. Hey, we're gonna get into a moment of giving, but I just wanna take this opportunity just to challenge us just a little bit before I give you three minutes to give. Hey, I know that sometimes it's hard when it comes to not having an in person service, we experienced this a lot in the pandemic. It's kind of, it goes with the phrase that says, out of sight, out of mind, right? Um, but what I wanna challenge us is that we're not giving to a service, okay? This, we're not tipping the pastor or the worship team. You're giving, I'm hoping and praying that you're giving is a product of the generosity overflowing in your heart, which means that it doesn't require proximity. For you to be generous. Let me say that again. It doesn't require proximity in order for you to be generous. So, even though you're not physically here in your heart, we are here as a church family, taking care of our community, taking care of the needs of this church, as well as the needs of people that we're supporting overseas the needs of the people that we're trying to reach in our communities in both locations. Right now, you might know that Sewell, our second location, is going uh, under construction, and you know darn well there's going to be some extra cost there, right? So I'm just challenging us. Hey, I know it's easy. I know it's easy to not give when you're physically not here. But remember, generosity isn't dependent on proximity, isn't dependent on you still being here. Out of the overflow of your heart, I'm asking you to ask God, hey, what can you give today to continue seeing his kingdom continue to expand here in South Jersey. So hopefully that strikes a chord in your heart that you consider praying, hey, what can I still give today, even online? We have so many amazing, great, easy ways to give. You could give via Venmo, Cash App, and as well as on Church Center App and online. We're going to give you three minutes to do so because it's that easy to do it. Say what's up to some people in the chat once you're done giving, and we'll be right back here with The Message. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Again, it's 4th of July weekend. We're chilling at home. We're chilling, getting ready for some barbecues, but we still need to get into the word. And we are in this series, as the second installment of the series, Know Your Role. Why? Because I believe that each and every one of us have a responsibility. I know that that's not a very uh, common motivational word that we have in our vocabulary. No one gets motivated by responsibilities well maybe some of you do maybe some of you type a people love responsibilities but a large portion of us don't like the word responsibility it comes with a weight or some of you might not even know your responsibilities and so i believe that the lord put on my heart to talk about knowing your role because once you know your role then your roles will reveal your responsibilities so if you get didn't get a chance to hear last week's installment of this please go back on youtube or on whatever podcast service that you utilize and listen to it watch it get it into your spirit because it's going to prepare us for what's to come i want to be practical in this series where i want to actually teach us what are the actual responsibilities right nothing's worse nothing's more frustrating when you show up somewhere and you don't know your role you don't know your responsibility and i think for some of us we're just struggling in certain areas because we don't know what to do. So my prayer is that the fruit of us going through this series together is that you're going to discover what can you do, not only for yourself, but what can you do for this world to make an impact, to see lives change, and more importantly, see Jesus be glorified. So to know your role. I know that we've had to determine, hey, babe in my in my family, what are your responsibilities? What are my responsibilities? So that we don't step on each other's toes, so that we have clarity, and more importantly, so we can be effective, right, in our household. So I want you to know your role. So if you can, if you if you have a notebook, let's whip out our notebooks, you know, whip out an app to take on notes. Uh, at the, uh, the homepage of our Church Center app, right at the bottom, you could have the sermon notes right there. You could copy and paste from my Evernote. Uh, but today we're going to read from Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 57 Luke chapter 9 starting at verse 57 and it says this now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him Jesus Now watch this Lord, I will follow you wherever you go and Jesus said to him Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head He said to another so now we got two people he said to another follow me and this person responded Lord Let me go and bury my father. Then he said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, let me stop real quick right there. The reason his dad wasn't sick, he was saying, hey, let's wait until my father dies so that I don't have to divide the family over me being a Christian and them being Jewish or something like that. He didn't want to divide the family. So let me wait till my father dies, right? So it wasn't saying that his father was sick. or Let me just bury my father first, and then I'm all yours, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. You know about the kingdom. You claim they'd be a follower of Jesus, so let's do this now. Let's not delay this any further. And another said, so now we have three people, all right, three disciples. Another said, Lord, I will follow you but let me go and bid farewell to them in my household because he knew that this was going to this was going to bring division. He knew that this was going to this was going to change the course of his life. But Jesus said to him, "No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God." Whew. Those are heavy words. However, we have these three individuals that claim that they want to follow Jesus. They claim they want to adopt the role of a disciple. Okay, there are some hurdles to being a Christian. I'm gonna call it what it is. There are some hurdles of being a disciple. There are some hurdles of being a follower of Jesus, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. All right, so let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray right now, wherever they are, if they're watching in their backyards, on their porches, on their decks, poolside, living rooms, wherever they are, Lord. Uh, that you meet us right where we are. Um, You are an omnipresent God, which means that you're everywhere at all times. So you're right here as I preach this, and you're right there with them as they're listening to this. Show us something. Challenge us, grow us. We do not want to be the same. We want to be made new. And more importantly, we want to be made by your hands, God. Mold us and make us in your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you have these three people right? These three people saying, I will follow you wherever you go, okay? That's a big statement, right? Jesus, and especially at this point, we're we looking back in history, but Jesus knew where he was going. He was going to the cross, okay? He was going to the cross, so so he's like, all right, if you don't understand what you're really saying. You're saying you want to follow me wherever I go. I am going to the cross. So the one guy said, I will follow you wherever you go. Another one said, Jesus told him to follow me, and he said, oh, hold up. And then the last one said, Lord, I will follow you, but yet first let me go and do something. Let me go and do something now, and I will follow you later. So you had these three disciples that, that were full of excuses. They were full of um, delayed responses. Um, they, were, they were honestly false claims. You, are you really willing to follow him wherever he will go? Um, and that's a, this is a very challenging word here. And the the cool part is that the, the first one, where he or the last one rather, where um, sorry the second one, where he said that uh, no the first one, I was right the first time. Trust your instincts, Mike. Um, the first one. But wait, check this out. Like the first one that he responded, where he says foxes have holes and the birds have have air uh, have air as a nest. But watch, check this out. The first one um, where he told them, hey, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The first one that he was responding to, we learn from another part of the Gospels, right? In our, in our Bible, our Bible is split up in two series of books, right? We have the Old Testament, New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we call those the Gospels, the story of Jesus' uh, physical ministry here on earth. And we read all the way in Matthew 8, 19 to 20, where this is also restated, but this one tells us that this first gentleman was a scribe, okay? And a scribe, at the time, were among the wealthier citizens. So this gives us a little bit of context, right? This is kind of cool. So this dude, what he said, when he sit there and says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you will go, um, he's telling them, hey, you got money, okay? You, you, What you're saying, this is what this means. He, he was telling them that this... Was going to cost you something. Okay? This was going to cost you something. At the time, I hate it when people say that Jesus was poor. He wasn't poor. He chose to be nomadic. So he would he would go and he would sleep in people's houses wherever they invited him to sleep, okay? Because he was on the go. Okay. They didn't have they didn't have Airbnbs back then, okay? They didn't have hotels back then, right? So he would just go wherever he he allowed him to go. He I don't think Poor people don't have treasures. Remember, Judas was a treasurer. <laughs> Poor people don't have treasures. So, so Jesus chose this lifestyle, okay? So as he's talking to the scribe, the scribe was wealthy. And basically what Jesus was saying this, are you really, are you really down for this life? It means you can't up, you can't maintain this wealthy lifestyle. You gotta be on the go, which means all you gotta, the only thing you could take with you is what you have in your little sack, your little, your little backpack here. That's the only thing you could take. Okay, you can't take your gold, you can't take your riches, you can't take your flock. We have to be on the go because anyone who puts his hands to the plow and looks and, and 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 looks back is not fit for the kingdom, all right? So you can't look back to the wealth, you can't look back to the old lifestyle. You gotta move forward. So he was telling this dude, hey, listen to me, this is going to cost you something. This is one of these things where I wish, I wish someone told me, right? All of us have, Some statements, right? Like right now, even in the chat, let me, what are some things you wish someone would have told you when you were younger, right? I wish someone told me that parenting is sometimes a thankless job. Can I get a big amen wherever you're watching right now, right? Let's be Pentecostal even in the middle of your living rooms, right? I wish someone would have told me how much money is gonna come out of my pocket due to taxes, right? I wish someone told me how expensive life was gonna be. I wish some, all of us have a list of, I wish somebody would've told me this, or I wish wish someone would've told me that sheep bite, being a pastor. Right. I wish someone would have told me that. So there are some people that look you dead in the eye and say, pastor, I love you. You're my favorite pastor. And then a couple months later, they'll they'll leave you. Right. I wish someone prepared me for that. And maybe even if they did prepare me for that, I wouldn't be really prepared for it. But I wish someone would have told me. So here Jesus is telling you, I wish someone would have someone told me that discipleship costs. So here's your key principle of the morning. You ready? Salvation is free. I don't want you to get it twisted salvation is free but discipleship cost something okay receiving the gift of god this gift of love this gift of mercy this gift of grace is absolutely free stop holy spirit shuffle let's praise god let's thank god for salvation right now in the chat throw it up with the with the praise hands thank god salvation is free okay my favorite f word free it's free i don't have to do anything for salvation that gift i don't have to do anything for the invitation to be in relationship with Jesus. You don't have to do anything for that. However, if you're going to say that you're going to follow Jesus, discipleship costs something. No one told me that. We, you know, When I made a decision, somebody told me, this is the best decision you'll ever make. Which is true, it's the best decision I'll ever make. But to decide to continue to follow Jesus will cost me something. Jesus many times in the New Testament told people to follow him and there's this Greek word when he used that word to follow him it's a it's what they call in the Greek a a present imperative okay what that means is that it's an ongoing command you don't just follow him one day and that's it right you continue to follow him it's an ongoing command I remember growing up I had my boy Jose and Jose would go back and forth between the church You'd ask Jose, Jose, are you saved? He said, yep, 17 times, right? Because he had kept on having to recommit, recommit, recommit. When you say you're following Jesus, is an ongoing command that you will follow Jesus, that you will be a disciple. So salvation is free, but discipleship needs to cost us something. So I want to make this practical, and I want to catch everyone up because, you know, what we're going to talk about next week too is just like the the the, the progression of discipleship. Um, but wherever you are, maybe you have claimed to be a disciple for years, or now you just just brand new came to Jesus. brand new started started making a decision about Jesus. This is great, but I want us to all st- be on the same page and to ask ask the question: What is discipleship really? What is it really? Why is it important? And how do we f- define define success in regards to discipleship what do you want to know that like what does it really mean to be a disciple and again that's some stuff that we're going to unwrap here in this series because true successful discipleship isn't just about your own spirituality you get this true discipleship is not only about your own spirituality successful discipleship reproduces itself in others hello successful discipleship reproduces itself in others Now, I don't want to be condemning. I believe Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, I do not want to condemn you. I don't want to force you. I don't want you to pretend even or perform discipleship. I want you to actually understand that this is what you really want. This is what's missing in your life, but there are hurdles to it. And once we overcome those hurdles, you just know that successful discipleship will eventually reproduce itself in others, and that's when we see our world change. And I know, I know in your heart of hearts, that's what you want. I know that when you're when when we're a part of a dynamic thing called the church, and, more, and let's talk specifically more about fervent church. That you know, our, our our statement, our slogan is daring to experience real powerful moments together. So as we encounter those powerful moments personally with Jesus, we have the opportunity to take risk and reproduce those powerful experiences in other people's lives so that we can see the world change. I know you want to see that. I know you want to be a part of that. That's why you're watching right now. That's why you're listening right now. And I I want to help you today. We're going to discuss more later on in the series, but I want to help you today to learn what are the hurdles that you need to overcome in regards to your discipleship. So what is a disciple? All right, it's defined in many different ways, but I want us all to be on the same page. Simply speaking, a disciple, is a devoted follower and learner of Jesus Christ, okay? Simply speaking, a disciple of Jesus is a devoted follower and learner of Jesus Christ. I love that we put the term learner there because you never graduate from learning, okay? You never graduate from learning. I want fervent church to not be this overly religious, stuck up, I know what I know, type of church, okay? Very quickly in 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 our society, and I know when I get down the whole Christian TikTok hole, everyone's trying to, you know, put this pastor on blast, that pastor on blast, and the quick statement that everyone loves to say is like that's a false teacher, okay? Here's the difference. A false teacher knows that they're teaching false things, okay? But if we all start embracing a culture of learning, maybe there's a big difference between a false teacher and an imperfect teacher. I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm an imperfect teacher, okay? There are things that I believed 10 years ago that I don't believe now. There are things that I didn't believe 10 years ago that I do believe now. There are things that I didn't have language for 10 years ago that I finally have language now. And I know 10 years from now, I'll develop even better language. Why? Because we're always growing and no one ever graduates from growing. And you stop graduating from growing once you stop listening. We stop listening. And so let's continue to be students. Maybe we have the wrong language. Maybe we have the wrong word. Maybe, maybe that there's a different, it's the same thing, but there's a different angle to it. Okay? So we're we're devoted followers and learners of Jesus Christ. And we're not just studying a book, we're studying the person of Jesus. John chapter one says, In the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word was God. And later on in that chapter it says, and the word became flesh. When we read the word, we're learning of Jesus Christ So don't, don't use the Bible As this weapon to destroy people We're using the Bible to get to know Jesus and Jesus wants to build People, alright Get that in your spirit So simply put, a disciple is a devoted Follower and learner of Jesus Christ Another way to say it is that the, the process of discipleship involves A personal relationship with Jesus And a willingness to be Transformed by Him Okay there's two sides to that coin, okay. Discipleship is involves a personal relationship with Jesus, but then a willingness to be transformed by Him. This is important because again, I'll use the term consumerism in the church. We just want to receive; we don't want to give. Okay, we receive this personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, but we don't give Him the space to transform us. Okay, you have to. You have to be different. You're. The version of your Christianity in 2024 needs to be different than the version of your Christianity in 2023 because he's constantly molding us and making us, okay? We're transformed by him. It's okay to have issues. Write this down. It's okay to have issues. It's okay to have problems. Let's just have new problems, all right? Let's have new things that we have to conquer, all right? But discipleship, the the process of discipleship, it involves a personal relationship with Jesus, and then a willingness to be transformed by Him. All right, we have to change and continue to change. And lastly, the goal of discipleship is to become more like Jesus. I'll never perfect. I'll never be perfect. He's perfect. We believe that Jesus is perfect. All right, that's the best term I, I can have right now in the English language. He was perfect. He was blameless. Jesus lived a life I couldn't live died to death, I should have died so that I could be reconciled to the Father, okay? So he was perfect, So, but the goal of my discipleship is to become more like Jesus, growing in my faith, growing in love, and growing in obedience of his will for my life, okay? Once I do that, then I become an example, and then I could reproduce that in others, but the goal of discipleship is becoming more like Jesus, okay? So it is more, it is more, Than just a Bible study. It is more than just daily devotions. It is more than just attending church service. It is more than having a dope worship playlist on your Spotify or your iTunes, right? It is more than just living missionally. It is more than just investing in others. Those things are fantastic and great, but it is more than that. Because if it's not leading you in a relationship with with Jesus, if it's not transforming your life, if you're just habitually doing it, we're still missing the mark. And that's why many people leave the faith because they're on this, this hamster wheel of Christianity and they feel like they're not going anywhere. If we're following Jesus, Jesus is going to take you somewhere. Ooh, I'm preaching. I know there's nobody in the room, but I'm preaching anyway. If you're following Jesus, He's going to take you somewhere. If you're following Jesus... He's going to take you somewhere. I had to say it three times because it makes it holy. All right, so Pastor Mike, what are the hurdles of discipleship? Here we go. I think the first hurdle of discipleship is term commitment, all right? I sound like a a single Christian person right now complaining about commitment. Some of these people don't want to be committed, right? It's about commitment. There's a recent study. They said only 18% of adults, 18% of adults in church, admit that they're committed to their spiritual growth. Only 18% of Christian adults in the church actually admit that they're committed to their spiritual growth. 18%, 20%, one out of five people are actually committed to their spiritual growth. Wow. No wonder. No wonder why this is stale. No wonder why I can't make you laugh enough and I can't, make your worship enough, because you got to be committed to your spiritual growth outside of a Sunday. That's your responsibility. I can't do that for you. I could, I could provide water to drink, but I can't do that for you. You know, some of you know that um, I do this side thing called PEAK. It's called the PEAK Profile. We partake uh, uh, of this program even within our church. It sends an anonymous survey to our church where we get to self-assess ourselves in many different areas. And in a lot of churches, and I, and I believe in fervent Church, we scored low in personal, uh, personal growth. And personal growth doesn't mean that, is this church giving you what you need to grow? It's more about, are you doing the things that will help you grow? So it's like, I could teach the Bible, but I can't read the Bible for you Monday through Saturday, right? I could I could teach about prayer, but I can't get you on your needs, right? I could tell you I could talk to you about living missionally and praying for people and, and serving people around you, but if you're, not, if you're not putting it on your calendar, if you're not making it happen, there's really nothing. So in other words, I could, I could lead you to water, but I can't force you to drink. Right? I can make sure that that water is flowing. And I believe it is flowing here, Fervent Church. I know there's tons of things that I want to make better, but however, like there is water to drink here. But what the, what's the missing ingredient is your commitment your commitment. And again, I don't want to teach that in a legalistic way, but, but what I'm asking you is this. Do you really, are you really satisfied with who you are today? Is there something more that you believe God has in store for you? And what's missing? Maybe it's commitment. Maybe you're the four out of the five that you're not really interested in spiritual growth. You're interested in spiritual performance, but I don't care about spiritual performance. I care more about spiritual growth. So commitment can sometimes be that hurdle, that commitment to say, you know what, there are times where you're going to have to say no to people and yes to Jesus. Sometimes, not all times, sometimes you have to say, and that's what one of these, those three disciples, they, they struggled with that element of saying no to things and saying yes to Jesus right now. And listen to me a delayed yes is still a current no. So if you I know I've said this before Jesus, I promise you that once I'm done, you know, once I'm I'm done playing the field, y'all know what I'm talking about. Once I'm done college, once I'm done this party season, right? Then then I'll come back to you. A delayed yes is still a hard no right now to Jesus. So let's evaluate your level of commitment, right? Second thing, and you know, I don't, I don't. again, I'm not preaching condemnation here, but I think the second hurdle uh, when it comes to discipleship is repentance. I think it's really hard to admit that you're wrong nowadays, more than ever, because we could hide it, we could justify it, but I think repentance is a huge thing. Few people admit to being deeply sorry for the sins in their lives, right? You want me to preach on sin, uh, you want me to preach on specific sins, What I really want to talk about is that are are you willing to own up to your sins? You don't want to talk about somebody else's sin, but owning up to your sin. Is like is repentance something that is active in our lives? Or we just want to avoid it at all costs? I think most of us, when you're trying to avoid it, you want to focus on everyone else's sin. And this is exactly what Jesus talked about. He said this, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. And taking the plank out of your eye requires repentance. To be truly, deeply sorry for the sins you caused. To repent and to turn away from it. I think that's a big hurdle for our discipleship. Some of us, we're, we're, we're trying to do all the spiritual things, but still accessing death in our lives. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And Jesus wants to give us eternal life. And, and so, there's this conflict within us because we're not willing to repent so maybe that's a hurdle maybe the other hurdle number three I think the biggest hurdle in Northeast context of church is activity most people confuse church activity with spiritual depth I said it most people confuse church activity with spiritual depth And what I mean by that is like you confuse showing up to Sunday I'm a Christian are you a Christian Your first answer is, I I go to church on Sunday. Or your first answer is, I pray every day. Or your first answer is, I read the Bible every day. And again, those things are great. Please keep showing up. (laughs) All right? Uh, Please keep showing up. Those things are great. But don't confuse spiritual activity with spiritual depth. Okay? It's about growth. And I think so many times, again, you're on that hamster wheel. And if you're following Jesus, he's going to take you somewhere. So are you busy? or are you fruitful when it comes to your spiritual journey are you busy or are you fruitful you could be both there have been seasons i'm busy and fruitful there there have been season, there and here's the cool part when you actually learn to make jesus your rest right so like when you take like a healthy sabbath right not like i'm not talking about like you you rest six days and only work one but like if you hustle six days and you rest, like, I've been fruitful and not busy. I've been busy and not fruitful, and I've been busy and fruitful, okay? But sometimes you're just busy and not fruitful, and that is a waste of your energy, okay? So activity will sometimes be confused. Spiritual activity will sometimes be confused with spiritual depth. Are you actually growing, or are you just busy? So you have the busy people. And then number four, I think another harder hurdle is people say that they have a lack of time. They have a lack of time when it comes to the kingdom of God. Hey, can you show up to your collective? Can you show up to your meetup? It's a lack of time. Only you can answer this, right? Just right now, answer it in your heart. Is it a lack of time or is it a lack of priority? Going back to that commitment piece. Is it a lack of time or is it a lack of priority? discipleship feels counterintuitive to us we want time to be ours we want to be controlled it's counterintuitive and it's countercultural because people are all about hey in this season of life you got to be about this you got to be about that right and we say that we have lack of time because our attention is being pulled in many different directions, and we want instant gratification so if it doesn't happen instantly, if I don't lose weight instantly, if I don't get, gain money instantly, then it's not worth my time. So I go and I try to find things that, that are quick. But unfortunately, discipleship does not work that way. Can I be the first one to say that to you? Discipleship doesn't work that way. It is a long, drawn-out process. There's no instant gratification. I have to pick up my cross, pick up that cost. Your cross has a cost. Come on. Your cross has a cost. And it's gonna cost us some time. So when we have that lack of time, I wonder, is it really a lack of time or is it a lack of priority? All right. Don't think that discipleship, don't think of discipleship as something that's not going to demand you hours of your schedule, All right? At least one hour of your schedule. You have to be intentional. And I have found that when I'm not intentional with my money, and when I'm not intentional with my time. I don't budget those things properly. When I'm not intentional with my money, and I'm not intentional with my time, I don't budget those things properly. So let's start budgeting our time to the things that matter. I could tell a lot about you when I look at your calendar and your checkbook. You could tell a lot about anyone when you look at the calendar and the checkbook. And I tell people all the time, especially pastors, when I go coach other pastors and I say, I wanna hear what your other pulpits are saying and they look at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean other pulpits? Your other pulpit, I know what you're saying from the physical pulpit on a Sunday morning, but you have the pulpit of your checkbook and the pulpit of your calendar. Don't tell me that you're about families if your calendar is full of taking people away from their families. Don't tell me that you're all about reaching the generation if finances and your checkbook doesn't reflect that. There are other pulpits in your life that are saying something completely different. And if you could get to the place where all the pulpits in your life, right, all the platforms in your life are saying the exact same thing, you're about health, you're about spiritual growth, you're about the kingdom of God, then your checkbook and your calendar and the words that come out of your mouth all need to say the same thing. Again, no condemnation, but I'm going to preach it like it is because I want to see fervent. I want to see you be the best version of yourself. And the lack of time can no longer be an excuse that interferes with your discipleship. Two more um, I think the fifth hurdle of discipleship is a lack of trust. We don't trust people. We don't trust church. We don't trust leaders. Um, we all have this deep wound of lack of trust. There is this innate distrust that seems to permeate our society. Can I get a big amen? All right? It is true. We're just constantly mistrusting. And so we, we, we lead ourselves with a place of protecting ourselves as a result of mistrust and and so we we have to number one heal from this and that a healing can only come by you being with Jesus and letting God do some healing do some surgery on our hearts and number two for us to put ourselves out there and learn to trust you can't learn to trust without risking mistrust okay and so Getting into relationships with people, getting into accountability—all this is all required in order for you to grow in your discipleship. Okay, there are moments. I'll be honest with you. There are moments where my emotions are telling me not to trust what I'm about to do. My emotions are telling me are to trust. Don't don't pour your heart into this relationship. Don't pour your heart into this because it's not going to be forever. However, my faith tells me the opposite' so my faith tells me to trust God my faith tells me to hey even though it might not yield the results that you think you're still being obedient to the will of God in your life okay and so I can't I I can't continue to live my life activating my mistrust all right I can't this lack of trust I can't continue to activate it because I'm not going to get anywhere all right it's it's just it, many of us were miserable because we're living in the lack of trust but but we have to learn to trust, and it takes, just take that little step. Take, take just an inch towards God, and it might not, you can still be afraid and still trust God. You can still be afraid and still trust God. You can. I've done it. Again, there's, a, there's an emotional distrust, but then there's obedient trust. And I'm just going to be obedient, and I'm going to act as though I'm trusting. I'm going to access that trust, and I'm not going to listen to my lack of trust and see what God can do through that, okay? I know it's not easy, but I'm telling you the moments where I am like, you know what, I'm stepping out in faith. I might not be stepping out in feelings, but when I step out in faith, I'm, I'm telling you it works out. It works out eventually, and God shows me something. And even if they don't change or the things don't change, I know I change because my faith in God is increasing. So this lack of trust is a hurdle. And the last one I think is a lack of uh, spiritual community, a lack of connection, if you will. A connection or spiritual community interferes with our discipleship and what I mean by that is that now we're getting to the place where like not only do you repent to God but do you have some solid relationships in your life that you could say yo I'm struggling with lust I'm struggling with porn I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm being really tempted to flirt with a co-worker I'm being really tempted um to just wild out right now I'm being really tempted to give up and be and to, to be Authentic and honest with each other, and confess your sins to one another. Confess your struggles. Confess your hurts to one another. That spiritual connection is so important in the kingdom of God. And few, way too few people are involved in relationships that actually hold them accountable in the church. Few people are involved in relationships that hold them accountable in the church. That is a big missing ingredient in regards to your discipleship. And it's easy to, to, to not invest in these relationships and not put effort into the relationship. And some of them are going to come easy, okay? You need to put in some effort and you need to put in some investment in order to have that spiritual connection. But I'm telling you straight up, you need it. You need it. Collectives, the, and, and if you go to any other church and they have some kind of discipleship process, whether it be small groups or, or, or coaching or mentoring or whatever it might be, whatever they have, it's going to take effort. It's not going to be easy. It's way easier to hide behind, you know, our facades. It's way easier to hide our issues and keep our issues away from anyone. But without that connection, without that spiritual community, um, your, your discipleship is going to run dry. Your discipleship is not going to produce the fruit that you really want to see in your life. So let's lean into it. Let's jump over all six of those hurdles and see what God does in this season. And if it doesn't work, then I apologize ahead of time. But you know what? I can't wait to prove you wrong. I said it. I can't wait to prove you wrong. You jump over those hurdles and really, really dive into your discipleship. I wonder, I wonder. In fact, I anticipate um, the many powerful testimonies of people saying, you know what? I gave it my all, and Jesus gave it all to me. And, 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 and not only am I growing, but I'm helping other people grow. And I realize that salvation is a free gift, but discipleship costs something. It costs something. So think about that. Talk about that in your collectives, but let's truly grow together and be disciples of Jesus. Hey, thank you so much for watching. Hey, listen up. We'll be back in person next week in Voorhees, New Jersey at 11 a.m so hey bring a friend you don't want to miss it it's going to be an exciting time for us to get back together and start our summer together and then also just build that sense of anticipation for the fall i'm excited see you next week